Okay, in today's episode, we are going to discuss the chariot. And this is such an interesting and profoundly difficult card to interpret when you don't know anything about the esoteric imagery on it. At least I always found that. Did you? It's more limited if you don't have that foundation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, 20 years ago, just staring at it and going, huh, what? You know, but, uh, but anyway, some of the older names of the chariot are the triumphal car. Uh, the cubic chariot. I have no idea where I got that one. Um, but yes, you can see he's in a cube. Uh, <laughs> the reward of victory. The, um, and then the hermetic, hermetic ones are the child of the powers of the waters oh, wow. and the lord of the triumph of light. Right. The uh, powers of the waters immediately leads us right into some material right there. Why waters? Right. The uh, the whole path, you (laughs) Mm -hmm. know, it's uh, this is the path coming down from Bina to Gabora. So it's that whole the Great Sea of Bina coming down, you know, across the abyss down the left hand pillar. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And the idea that it is cancer, water sign. Right. The, the mm-hmm. cardin, it's cardinal water. So it's the first inrush of the water element. So, uh, the association of, uh, the astrological association for the chariot is cancer, right? Yep. And what's cancer mean? The crab. Yeah. So in what way is the chariot like a crab? Well, how is that? Sounds like a joke. (laughs) Um, Well, if you're looking for symbolism, we can certainly find it in both both Mm -hmm. versions of the card. And I always think of the chariot. The chariot is never going straight ahead. It's always moving to one side or the other, much (laughs) the way a crab moves. It's um, Mm -hmm. indirect. Both of these um, chariots, it's always seemed to me that you'd have a hard time moving terribly fast in a forward direction <laughs> in either of these constructions. <laughs> um, the, to me, the thing that makes the, the chariot most crab-like is the armor. Mm-hmm. Uh, in both cases, they're absolutely uh, enclosed in a carapace, um, protecting right. their soft, squishy interiors. Right, and I've heard <laughs> it said that the cancer people themselves are like that, hard on the outside and soft on the inside. That's what they say. <laughs> so they That's protect they themselves with their shell because they're very soft inside. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like... Sensitive. Um, That's right. That's right. Soft, chewy, caramel center. Crispy chocolate coating. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and also that's, that's sort of in line with the Hebrew letter association, right? Right. right. Which means enclosure or fence. Right. Fence or enclosure. Right. Right. Uh, let's see. Um, going quickly through the rulerships, we have, of course, the moon rules cancer and, uh, there are lunar references. Uh, now the, probably the one that people people go to first is those moon-like crescent shapes on the Rider Waite Smith uh, charioteer's shoulders. With faces. Um, with faces, right. They do look like moons, but um, but actually they are referred to by weight as Urim and Thummim, which are uh, divinatory objects. Nobody knows exactly what they were or um, how they were used, but uh, I've been Learning that they may have been, uh, on the high priest's breastplate. 
you know, something Thus like that. Thus have I heard as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, you know. I've heard that they may be either words inscribed on it or stones embedded in it. Mm-hmm. Um objects or stones embedded in it. Rachel Pollock says that the stones would like move up and down uh, in response to the question mm. in divination, which mm. seems so sci-fi to me. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know nothing about that. Yeah. I've, I've also heard them referred to as being a white stone and a black stone, oh. um, which calls to mind, okay, uh, light and darkness, the phases of the moon, the mm-hmm. full and the new, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yes and no, often in divination, like the the white or the black will be the yes or the no. Mm-hmm. It, that whole polarity sure. um, could also be a reference to the supernals, the, you know, from the path of Keter to Bina, from white to black. Mm, right, right, right. And uh, there's also a sort of a river, um, it's he's kind of beached actually uh, in the Rider Wade Smith card. He's on a shore next to a river. There's a river running behind him, and that could have to do with the moon and Cancer, or perhaps they're the same rivers coming down from the uh, you know the the high priestess, or it could be a like a moat, a water enclosure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could we be. don't. We just see the river behind it him, could but be. it could, could be. be a fence of water. That's right. A fence of water behind a wall of stone, because there's also that in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. So the um, rulership of the moon, uh, Saturn in detriment in Cancer. I just jotted this down real quick before I came. Uh, Jupiter exalted in Cancer and Mars in fall. Jupiter. Yeah, Jupiter. There's a, I, I guess you could say the... Um the square on the breastplate mm, could be a, uh, could be a Jupiter, Jupiter reference, reference, the, the fourth mm-hmm. sephira. Mm-hmm. Um, although I also wonder if it's just being a square, if it's a reference to an enclosure. It could be, or a jewel on a breastplate <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or something like that. I was, I was looking at, uh, there's a very similar square on the crown of the Waitsmith justice as well, which is kind of interesting. Um, though perhaps not related. Uh, let's see. And that, that, that breastplate actually is really reminiscent of what it's like, uh, when you take apart a crab. I'm sorry to say I know quite well, <laughs> but they do have that sort of bib-like structure. In the, uh, Crowley card, the, the grail that he's holding is in purple, which is a color of, uh, Jupiter. Mmm. That's true. And even if you look at, I don't know, the, see the, uh, the sides of the grill. So the cut, the, the perspective is that you're looking down into it. It's right. turned on its side and those little handles on the side almost look like glyphs of cancer. I thought so. I thought they do. This is in the Thoth card on the sides of the, um, receptacle that he's holding. They do look a little bit like very stylized cancer glyphs. And of course, he has a crab right on his head. (laughs) I kind of forgot about that. (laughs) So as far as the decans of Cancer go, they're associated with the Two of Cups, the Three of Cups, and the Four of Cups. So, which is interesting because if you look at just the imagery of the chariot versus the imagery of the two, three, and four of cups, you know, particularly in the weight, it's kind of hard to see any connections. But if we go through them bit by bit, we do see some themes that we talk about, um, some of the themes we talk about when we think about the chariot reflected within mm-hmm. um, the cards. So 
The Two of Cups, of course, oh, <laughs> the Lord of Love. Um, everyone loves to see this card. Uh, and, and I guess that what's going on there is we have Venus in Cancer, um, mm. the lesser benefic, and you can see her, her powers of connection and harmony and love and affection being expressed in here. Yeah. And the, if you think about the season of cancer, I've been noticing the baby birds are all, you know, <laughs> I'm seeing nests full of baby birds and the, the mummy coming to feed them and yes. stuff. And, you know, cancer season is the sign of maternal, you know, love. And then so Venus, the mother, you know, the empress, the mother, mm -hmm. we see Venus and cancer are obviously having a very maternal love mm -hmm. heart quality. Mm -hmm. I've seen mm -hmm. the card predict pregnancy or or pre-pregnancy like that that the the gestation time is right mm. to to be fertile or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And there is that notion which kind of goes with the chariot of enclosure mm. of safeness, the waters of the womb if yeah. you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea that you have a protection for this thing that's growing the this, precious object the precious the grail, object like the grail carried. in the chariot yes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know carrying the waters of bina mm -hmm. there's that and it's funny though when i get this card i'm always finding myself telling people who get a bit overexcited when they see it in a love reading that you know it's a good start <laughs> you know it's a yeah it's the, that's why i said it's a prerequisite pre yeah pre-pregnancy pre like i see mm -hmm. it as being the time is right for that to happen not necessarily that it has happened mm -hmm. or will happen but that mm -hmm. the time is right for it to happen yeah the conditions are there yeah i think it's a very good uh way to set the scene yeah 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 and i'm i've tried to sort of think about like you know, since I've seen so many sad love stories and readings for people, I try to imagine what a good love story would look like. And it would probably go like two of cubs, four of wands, you know, uh, six of something, and then ten, ten of discs. <laughs> ten of discs. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. There till the end through old age. Exactly. And all that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but this is always a good start. And in fact, when we, um, when Randy and I got married and, 1998 i had the the uh, marseille two of cups on the uh on the wedding invitation nice yeah yeah i figured why not although who knows if anybody made any sense of it at the time <laughs> so uh so that so that's the venus in cancer and then we go on to mercury in cancer for the three of cups so uh which is the lord of abundance which you can totally see in both cards, mm. really, uh, right. both the weight and... Right. They both yeah. have uh, fruits uh, mm -hmm. in evidence. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, Mercury, uh, though it's a really a neutral presence, not a benefic or a malefic, it, it does tend to quicken things and ease things. Um, mm -hmm. And in the images of the Deccans, if you kind of go back to the Yavana Jataka and the Picatrix, there's, there's always someone who's described as a person with a sweet voice, which is mercurial, mm. right? So you think of like, if you look at the three of cups and weight, and you see these sort of happy people having a little celebration the together. Muses or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's this the three, idea. three graces. Or mm -hmm. 
I don't know. There's something about it that's like a good manners card to me, you know, mm. <laughs> you know, just trying to bring harmony and happiness a through toast the power of your to our and host. Toast. <laughs> a toast. Good. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. And then we've got the, the pomegranate reference in the, yeah. in the Thoth card, mm-hmm. which, you know, Mercury in Cancer. So Mercury as the psychopomp, you know, the Demeter and Persephone mm-hmm. going below mm-hmm. um, and eating of the pomegranate seed. Right, <laughs> right. Which itself is a sort of reference to the cycle of uh, agrarian fertility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And just a slight, another one of those little slight, uh, not so much warnings, but just to be aware that since pleasures are not lasting, to enjoy them mm-hmm. in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think we find that a lot with these Mercury cards that they're kind of, you know, there's an emphasis on what's come before and what's coming next and not just staying in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, the, you know, the chariot, you can also, you can think of it as a, this is a Copic reference again, you know, he calls this Deccan the walled garden mm. uh, of, uh, of cancer, the second Deccan. And, you know, and that, that speaks a little bit again to that sense of protection mm. and um, enclosure. Right. The fence of, of, Chest and yeah, chariot cards letter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very much that um, that feeling of being in a protected conveyance that allows you to. I don't know. There's something about the the chariot's motion in here that I'm trying to capture. The idea that you know that somehow goes with Mercury. This idea that there's. Um, that in order to speed, you've got to be safe. <laughs> you know, yeah. the idea that communication only takes place in a safe space, you know, something like that. Okay. Anyway, and then onto the Four of Cups, the Moon in Cancer, which is such an interesting image and so different, really, between the two decks. Um, which is it's called the Lord of Luxury, or Crowley calls it luxury, but the Golden Dawn calls it blended pleasure. Mm. Which kind of makes me think of you know the moon's role as sort of a a, a, a changing you know different yeah, ratios fluctuating force <laughs> fluctuating <laughs> force yeah and this idea of luxury um, I think when I look at the weight card I always think of the story of the Buddha you know and mm, the spoiled the princeling yeah coming to the realization that there are not enough resources for everyone and that. And, you know, and his, so many people read that expression in the Four of Cups differently. Some see that the person is dissatisfied. Some people say he can't see it. You know, some people say he doesn't like what he sees. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I dislike about mm-hmm. the the miners in the weight deck is that sometimes there's so much leeway of interpretation and people just make up whatever they think they see (laughs) kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. it's, and then they extrapolate that onto other decks. And I'm just like, (laughs) well, you know, I've seen, I've seen people say that this is about that. The four of cups is a card of nausea and I'm cause, cause he looks like, yeah. And I'm just like, dyspepsia. Okay. Maybe, but (laughs) well, I think, you know, there's something to be said for allowing a broad spectrum of interpretation into every card so that you can find everything in life in the deck. Right. But um, But I guess cancers do have sensitive stomachs. So I guess I'll buy that moon and cancer. 
there could yeah. be a fluctuating stomach <laughs> and uh you know a little mal bit de mer, of, yeah. a little seasickness yeah, perhaps <laughs> but i i mean i think it's certainly a much more ambiguous image i think than of the, the card see. too as being you know the sense of so we're t- we were talking about cancer as the sign of the womb and mm-hmm. the enclosure and the the waters of the the womb mm-hmm. is the four is that point at which it, the the wor- your world becomes a little too small it's yes. very pleasant in there mm-hmm. and you kind of want to stay that's good it's luxurious but you can't stay you can't there stay it's going to get too small your world needs to expand a little bit even if it's painful right so this is the third trimester card you're yeah, saying exactly <laughs> I'm feeling like oh god it's nice <laughs> Take this much you more. Have to leave. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And then, you know, being born or, into Leo. I think Crowley says, or somebody says about the card that it's the bath water that eventually grows lukewarm and then cold. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think there's that idea, that craving for security in here that, but then which turns into a hunger for something else. Yeah. 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 That's something I see. In you that can't too. stay in your shell forever, you know, to go back to the cancer, the crab. <laughs> Even the crab so, has to shed its shell or yeah, and get the, a new one yeah, or grow a the, new the one. The hermit crabs do. The hermit they crabs to- do. Yeah. Lobsters molt too. Yep. Okay, so the the crab reference also reminds me of the Merkaba in um in Jewish mysticism, which is part of the vision of Ezekiel um where he sees this fiery chariot with the uh the living beasts, which we'll be talking about a lot more, but also the idea that you are um you need to be protected to be in the presence of the divine. I used to think that it meant the Merkaba was the chariot you travel in, but it's not actually. The Merkaba is the chariot that you go to see, the throne of God, the presence of the divine that you're trying to access in Merkaba uh, mysticism. But there is this tale of, you know, the four rabbis who go into the presence of the divine, and one of them uh, is one of them bursts into flame and one of them uh goes mad and one of them um has a crisis of faith because he sees that there is like a vision of metatron and he's seeing double so there's like a fiery a watery and an airy rabbi and then there's rabbi akiva who's the earthy rabbi who is protected by they all his... go into a bar <laughs> please no? Okay. Okay. So, um, and then there's the earthy rabbi who is protected by his earthiness and comes out sane. Okay. Mm. You want a rabbi joke? Sure. All right. So, love um, a good rabbi joke. Let's see. An astrologer, a rabbi, and a ceremonial magician walk into a bar. They get completely wasted and they throw books at each other until four in the morning. And, uh, there is no punchline, but that's what my office looks like right now. Okay, sorry. It wasn't really a joke. <laughs> uh, anyway, Merkaba, we'll be talking about that more later. You mentioned while you were speaking the word throne. Mm-hmm. Did you call it the throne of God? The or throne of the presence. The throne of the presence. Something like that. Well, that, that mm-hmm. word triggered some associations because the chariot is sometimes referred to as a movable throne. Mm. Um associated with the power to go. So you see, when we talk about the four creatures, and we're going to again mention the four powers of the Sphinx, mm-hmm. and then there's that fifth power to go, to go. on this, this movable throne. Um, and also the word throne is interesting because 
the uh, angels of Binah were said to be thrones, called thrones, where the angels of Hakmah were said to be called wheels. Wheels, right. So here we have right. a wheeled throne, um, mm. perhaps referencing the the supernal influence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? Oh, yeah. And the, you know, and it's interesting that no matter what, um, what kind of progress it is, there is always progress. There is always motion with the chariot, you know, whether it's side to side like a crab or whether it's forward and back like a car. And we often actually just read the chariot as a car in divination or whether it's going within, you know, in this sort of journey to the divine. There's always, it's always on the move. And I think there's also the, you know, associated with that is this idea that you need something to cross the abyss because we're going from Bina, from the Supernals to Givora. You need some kind of conveyance to get you there. So since we're on Kabbalah, um, we also have the, uh, we have Bina references, um, in, I think in both. Right. Well, we, yeah, yeah, both have the, the blue canopy. Mm-hmm. Um, One's a starry curtain, and the other one is um, more of a almost looks watery curtain. Mm-hmm. On Crowley's card, it has embroidered in the canopy the word Abrahadabra. Has it really? It I does. Didn't know that. Look closely. Oh my God! It it is. It's it's a. Uh... So rather than Abra, Kadabra. Crowley spells the word well, abra. Actually, it says hadabra. Hadabra here. Right, but he yeah. reinterprets re- reinterprets see. it in his writing. Um, for whatever reason, Lady Harris wrote it the the traditional old mm-hmm. spelling, mm-hmm. but it's really should have been written abra hadabra, well, which is a whole hell of a lot easier to write in cursive than <laughs> H's. <laughs> right, that could be that. Um, which he calls the word of the aeon. Um, if you he so there are, oh I thought there, that was Kafefe <laughs> he, he he states Sorry. in his oh God <laughs> <laughs> but everyone with higher knowledge knows what that means. Sorry, sorry. <gasps> okay, God, that killed sorry. Me. All right. <laughs> I don't usually manage to get you off track, but I did. That was a good one. <laughs> so right. so um word of the so the, the word of the aeon Abra Hadabra. Mm-hmm. He respells it for gematria reasons mm-hmm. um, and other reasons. He actually, there's a footnote in the Book of Thought that says that an entire book could be written on this one word alone. Hmm. Um, so there's really a lot to process there. But if you break down the word, so it it then corresponds to the number 418. Mm-hmm. If you replace that C with the H, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. if you spell out the word, the letter, the Hebrew letter Chet, that oh, well. is also mm-hmm. 418 when mm-hmm. spelled in full. When spelled in full. So okay. there's a relationship there between this card and that word and the great work itself. Mm. So yeah, so be sure that you uh, look at the top of the Thoth card real close because you can live with it for 20 years and not see it, apparently. <laughs> so um, there it is. talking again about that word a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um there's a there's a lot that can be said about the great work itself, but it's basically a, a indication of that process. And if you look at the word itself, you'll see at the center of the word the had h a d referring to hadit, mm. and then on either side of that word you have abra. So ab is a uh, Hebrew word for father, and ra we know as the sun god. 
Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other things you could say about this word that, that it has 11 letters and, you know, there's, there's, there's so many things you could say about this card, but I think, um, that's a little about bit the word. There's yeah. a, there's a, there's mm-hmm. a lot to go into, but, um, there's a five, there's a five and a six reference in there because it has five A's or five Aleph's mm-hmm. or surrounded by six other letters. Um, so that's a, the, whenever you see a five and a six combination, that's usually a reference to the microcosm and the macrocosm. That's part of the formula of the great work. The, the, right. the, the rose and the cross, the, the micro and the macro mm-hmm. or the pillar, uh, in the yoni. <laughs> <laughs> right. And we also have, uh, We've already, so that's the references to Bina in the canopy. And then we also have a reference to Givora in the scarlet wheels of mm-hmm. the Thoth card, right? The red right, the of red, Givora. Because uh, red, red is the color of Mars. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, uh, 10 stars on the, ar- on the armor of right. the charioteer. Yep. So For that's. The tree of life reference. Tree of life, or possibly also to Malkut itself. Um, Malkut and you know, Bina. as the daughter of Bina. Yep. Right. And that's part of the whole great work process as well. So let's talk about the great work a little bit when we say that. What are we referring to? Oh boy, you had to ask that. Yeah, I know. Do it in uh, two sentences or less. Is it fair to say, can we sum it up as like the knowledge and conversation of yes, your holy so guardian yes, angel? Yes, let's mm-hmm. start there. <laughs> There's another step beyond that, but that's that's the the first step. So in the gosh, how to put this. So so when we talk about the tree of life in the context of the golden dawn, there is this assumption that uh, that the magician is trying to ascend the tree. And in the process of ascending the tree, he, he or she becomes more, uh, self-aware for one, um, conquers various, um, uh, gets to know and, and familiarize himself or herself with different parts of, um, of the self and eventually makes it to the point where they, make contact with what's called the holy guardian angel, right? Right. Right. And uh, that's part of what we're referring to when we say the great work. Making that first contact is the first step. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. there's there's the first contact, and then there's the actual knowledge and conversation, which is beyond the first contact. And then there's there's more to come as you ascend higher that's mm-hmm. basically in the Sephira of Tiferet, right? Where that right. experience occurs, and then eventually, if mm-hmm. you should get so far and in, in, endure <laughs> all the uh, trials, you can get all the way up to um, and the supernal realm. Endure the destruction of the ego while crossing the abyss. And right <laughs> now, is that the Abramelin operation going all the way up to the? Top or is the I thought that operation? was more about the knowledge and conversation. So getting you the, to Tiferet, yeah. Okay, got you. And hardly anybody does it, <laughs> but right. but that's the whole like, point. <laughs> I think in, in the wake world, Crowley as he as he takes the 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 story. Do you are you familiar with the wake world? No, kind of like a fair. No. It's it's the the tree of life and this process of the great work and these. Uh, uh, ascending the paths as a fairy tale, kind mm-hmm. of, um, as told from cool. the point of view for, of a so like a, a fairy princess, tale version a fairy of Prometheus. <laughs> it, it's it's really cool. But anyway, uh-huh. um, Crowley says in in the Wake World, in, you know, as part of that story, the prince who's the holy guardian angel mm-hmm. 
is is speaking and he says he keeps saying along different stages of the tree most people spend their whole lives here mm-hmm. oh and that that reminds me that whole thing reminds me so there's another in the book of thoth associated with this card where it talks about the the oracle of the bottle so there's a there's a story about uh someone that i think three friends go to you know see this oracle of the bottle and i think it might also be called oracle of the vulture or something like that but um and the question he brings is should i marry Hmm. and that's said to be uh this is kind of a veiled reference to the holy guardian angel because the process of knowledge and conversation with the holy guardian angel so in that fairy tale we in Malkut are the princess mm-hmm. and we're seeking the prince, the prince. in Tiferet right. to complete right. us and, and have that marriage with. So anyway, mm-hmm. his question for the oracle is, should I marry? And the, the bottle, the oracle of the bottle spins or whatever it does. And it makes, <laughs> and it makes it, and the answer he gets is a sound like, and it's spelled as trink. And the answer huh. is trink. The bottle makes like a cl- clacking <laughs> noise. And so, he interprets that answer, trink, as being drink. And so he, he takes that as an affirmative answer that, yes, he should marry because he, he hears it as drink, drink deep, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when I hear that story, I also think of the wake world, which is what made me think of that, because all throughout that fairy tale, the princess says to the prince, kiss me. Mm. And that's in relationship. That's speaking that that kiss is the the knowledge and conversation of the holy guardian angel in allegory so mm-hmm. it's a yes. great story yes. um if you uh i think it, you can get it in written form but if you go to the speech in the silence podcast there's actually a really great reading of it um mm-hmm. so you can go listen to oh, that and okay. it's fun all right well can you unpack a little bit the grail imagery here because isn't that i mean does that have to do yeah so the last card the lovers you know we had the the male and the female figure and then in this card we see the grail imagery and in the center of the grail is supposedly the the uh union the white the red Mm -hmm. The red and the white, the, the blood and, and the, the gluten um, combined in this vessel, this chalice, this holy grail that then he is conveying mm-hmm. um, and protecting. Okay. Can we just say object. blood and gluten? Are we talking sexual fluids? You On one level, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. On one level. Good. And it's not what you would think <gasps> mm-hmm. because the, mm-hmm. you, the red is actually the masculine and the white is the yeah. feminine. So, okay. So, uh, so what we're really talking about here is, um, again, a reference to the union of male and female. Well, the, the, the grail itself is, um, is a quest, is a quest and is, but it has to do with his relationship with Bina, doesn't it? Isn't he supposed to like bear the chalice to Bina or from Bina? Right. Or he's conveying. He's, mm-hmm. he's, uh, the two in one conveyed, I think. I think Crowley refers to it as the two in one conveyed. So the two, the male and the female forces then enclosed in this grail are then conveyed. So you could look at that as what occurs. Mm-hmm. In the great work with the knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel, you have the two in one, the male and the female, then mm-hmm. thus united. And it's 
a spiritual level rather than yes. strictly the, the both but the, yeah. right right mm-hmm. i mean there's there's definitely both things being referred to there mm-hmm. that then you know ultimately bringing it back to bina right and that's really um interesting to me in terms of sort of more mundane interpretations of the chariot i mean even in the marseille he was considered um you know a a hero of the city or a, a warrior but not not the actual ruler, you know, the one who convey, conveys or partakes in the mission or, you know, takes the order and fulfills it in, you know, making him kind of, uh, an archetypal hero figure. Yeah. It's a very martial, mm-hmm. maybe that's yeah. the Gavora. Gavora, uh, yeah. Reference. But also <laughs> the idea that, you know, he has, no personality outside his armor. You know, this is the job. Right, the he faceless. Is the job. In, right. in the Crowley card, he's purposely made a face that you cannot see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. He's all about his job, which, you know, as and as the Grail Knight or Parsifal or whatever, you know, um, Arthurian analogy you want to make, uh, his job is simply, you know, to protect it with his virtue and his purity, mm-hmm. I guess. Right. Purity, again, when I hear that word in relation to this card, it makes me think of the grail quest and how the pure heart to mm-hmm. pursue the the grail. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and the surrender and destruction of the ego crossing the abyss, because you can't have that um, if you're going to the supernals. Right. You must yeah. give all, <laughs> which we'll find out in the next card. Exactly. Okay. Um, let's, let's go back to Ezekiel because we should, we should probably read them the vision, reread the vision of Ezekiel. So we already talked about Ezekiel when we did the Hierophant, I think, and we read this passage, but let's read it again because it's a good one. All right. So, uh, Ezekiel has this vision, um, and he sees this whirlwind. Ooh, and a brightness was about it and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber, which is interesting because that's one that's of the one colors. That's one of the colors of mm-hmm. the scale. Out of the midst of the fire. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man and everyone had four faces and everyone had four wings. And their feet were straight feet and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot. They sparkled like the color of burnished brass. Um... And they had the hands of a man under the wings on their four sides, and they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned not when they went. They went everyone straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man and the face of a lion on the right side. And they four had the face of an ox on the left side. They four also had the face of an eagle. Yeah, and it, it it does go on um, <laughs> quite a bit. I'm, it goes on to um, describe the chariot they're, um, well, associated with, if not actually attached to. Okay, so so where are our our beasts? Here they are on the Thoth card, pretty clearly. Yeah, he he definitely portrays that vision a little more. Um accurately in the sense that there are four beasts rather than two beasts, mm-hmm. um, each of which is then also a fourfold beast. So if you look at these beasts, they're not just a lion, a man, an eagle, um, and a bull, that each of them combines parts mm-hmm. of the other. And this is said to be 
making them 16, a reference to the 16 court cards or the sub-elements, right. each element d- being divided into sub-elements. So fire, mm-hmm. fire, fire of water, fire oh, of nice. earth, fire yeah. of air, mm-hmm. like they like you see in the courts. So each one mm-hmm. of these creatures is a fourfold creature, and mm-hmm. there's four of them. Mm-hmm. They're called the four creatures of Ezekiel or the four living creatures. Also, they the correspond, beasts. the cherubic beasts, they correspond with the four fixed signs of the zodiac as well. Ox, lion, uh, eagle, Scorpio, and Aquarius man. So, uh, so we, that was cherubic beasts on the Thoth card. Um, now, now what do we have on the Wade Smith card? Well, it looks like we have two as opposed to four and they're sort of mirror images of each other positive and negative kind mm-hmm. of like one's like a negative of a photograph of the other one yeah and the sphinx itself is a hybrid beast yes right, right. although not necessarily specifically the same hybrids that we've been talking about with the cherubic uh the four mm-hmm. living creatures um i think she's supposed to be l- hindquarters of a lion, lioness, and then, you know, a woman in front. Right. Which is why she can ask riddles. (laughs) You know, we probably, since we have the Sphinx right here, we should probably do the, um, the Sphinx's riddle and the four powers of the Sphinx. So the Sphinx's riddle, um, what is it? It goes, what goes on four legs in the morning, uh, two two legs at noon and three at, at night. At night. And the answer is, of course, man. Man. So right. youth, uh, mm-hmm. adulthood and old age with the stick. With the stick. Exactly. And, you know, I've, I've heard that referenced as, you know, to be able to, to be able to answer that question correctly, you have to have a self knowledge. You have to, you have to recognize your mortality and your uh, changeability as a human and the fact that you're going to die. And again, that surrender of the ego and crossing the abyss, I think that's related to that. And then the four powers of the Sphinx. I mean, where where does that come from anyway? I believe it's Levi. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably if you've been listening along on the podcast, this won't be the first time that you've heard this, but the four powers are associated with the four signs, the four elements, or the four worlds. And basically, if you put them in order of fire, water, air, earth, the order would be to will for the power of fire, to dare for the power of water, to know for the power of air, and to keep silent for the power of earth. Right. And then with the combination of the four to go. Right. So the adept masters these four virtues or these four powers in order to proceed in the great work, which is why they're on this card. Because in order to go mm-hmm. and accomplish this work, one has to have already mastered these other four Now, um, another reference that these two particular sphinxes allude to is the platonic dialogue of Phaedrus, um, which, in which he basically creates this metaphor of, uh, reason, the charioteer trying to control two opposite horses, one black and one white. And the black one is supposed to be the irrational side of man, the appetites, the, um, you know, the hungers and the, and the white one 
the so-called good horse is the uh, rational will, the, you know, the power to decide and impose your will. And, but it's only reason that can moderate between the two. And since they're pulling in opposite directions, it's reason's job to get them going in the same direction, get them to cooperate and achieve whatever it is that you need to do. And it's all about balance. Mm -hmm. This card is Mm -hmm. a lot about you know, the need for balance. It's much more binary, I think, than the Thoth card is. You know, it feels much more like a mix of those dualities, um, black and white. Above the sphinxes or between them on the Waitsmith chariot, we see that winged solar disk, which we have seen before. Where was it that we saw it before? Oh, we saw it in the Magus. Ah, in the Magus, that's right. That's right. And also below that, a shield sort of a thing with a red not a dreidel, not a top, but a lingam and yoni. So, so that refers back to that whole uh, conversation we had earlier in this episode about male and female. Um, also about the micro and the macro, micro or and as macro. Crowley when we when we were talking about you know the abracadabra, the uh, pillar in the void, mm. which is another yoni phallus right. conjunction, right? The zero and the one. Yes, you know. Also, which of course also has something to do with the wheel, the zero and the one. The four pillars in each card. Yeah, um, let's talk about the four pillars. Well, I have heard that they are a visual representation of the tree of life in three dimensions. Whoa. So have you ever seen the the actual, it's like a model of the tree of life, but it's in 3D. Sort of so looks like, like a molecule kind of a yeah, thing. It yeah, it does. looks like it's made together with yeah. Tinker Toys yeah, yeah, or I've something. And it's, yep. So the four, it has four pillars. In Ain't each, it on the cover of each. Cabalistic Tarot, Robert Wang's book? I think it oh, might yeah, be. Oh yeah, I think it is. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's, there's definitely a picture of it in yeah. there if not on the cover itself. But mm-hmm. I've heard that those four pillars are the representation of that. Oh, really? Well, that's interesting. So each pillar would be like the pillar of force and form on one side. Right. And, and as you rotate other, it for each it, of the four worlds, each one becomes the the, the next. It's opposite. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's interesting too, because, you know, one of the strangest things that people notice on the Wade Smith chariot is that reference to the cube of matter that he seems to be embedded mm. in halfway up. Um, cubic stone. Cubic stone. Yeah. And which is, you know, usually a reference to matter itself. And where it? have we seen that before? Oh, gosh. Um, As the throne of the emperor. That's right. That's right. We have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yet one, yet one more way. This just doesn't look like a vehicle you can travel in. <laughs> yeah, now that you mention it, he does look like he's encased in a block of it's concrete. Like he's offended the I, mafia. I, 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 never, I never really noticed that before, but you're right. Yeah, he's about Amazing. to take a long walk off a short pier. It appears. So I read an interesting <laughs> thing about the cubic stone in that the the cube itself. So it has uh, six sides, mm-hmm. and then it has. Um, Eight vertices. Right. Eight points and 12 mm-hmm. lines. And if you add all that up together, you get 26, which yes. is the, the name of the fourfold name of okay. uh, the tetragrammaton adds up to 26. Mm-hmm. For what mm-hmm. it's worth. For what it's worth. Okay. And uh, other, other numbers in. Oh, I have one. Mm-hmm. On the Crowley card, mm-hmm. if you count those little tiles, those little uh, bricks or tiles, there's 21 of them. Wait, which, which bricks? Oh, on, on the floor? Right, there's three, there's three rows of seven. No way. Oh my God. How do you like that? 
So right. 21, I'm not sure exactly why, but hmm. I could probably make up a few reasons. <laughs> well, and the fact that there's rows of seven is significant too, because right. we have yeah. seven for the chariot. Right. And also in the Merkaba uh, mysticism tradition, the you have to travel through the seven palaces um, in on your way to the divine presence. They're called the Hekalot or something like that on um, on your way, to, and they're and it's a very perilous journey, and you will probably die. But but again, there's that reference to seven. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about that's kind of interesting is that you know how we said that the the five senses are attributed to the first five single letters um so that the emperor is sight and the um and the hierophant is hearing and the lovers is smell well, you would think that um that leaves touch and taste now for some reason, touch is not uh not one of them, uh, but instead they have speech, and that's what's associated with the chariot. So strength or lust will be taste, but um, hmm. but the chariot is speech. And what's interesting to me about that, just imaginatively, I don't know if this is you know actually justified, but the idea that you cannot touch the divine presence, you can only be, you can only communicate with it, you can only have conversation with it, right? This idea of speech, and 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 and. 16, one plus six, the tower, uh, associated with pay, the mouth. So mouth speech, mm -hmm. perhaps, um, you know, there's a connection between 16 and seven that way. Interesting. Interesting. Highly speculative, like everything we do. <laughs> okay. Oh, colors? Should we okay. Do colors? So, uh, we've got the, uh, amber color, as you see in the, charioteer's armor on the Thoth card. For the king scale, we've got a maroon color and a kind of rusty russet red, rusty red kind of color. And then in the uh, princess scale, we have a dark greenish brown. If you think about it, if you've ever seen some varieties of live crabs, those hmm. are actually all the colors in their shells. That's you see, true. You definitely see the dark greenish brown and the rusty orangey reds and um maroon even flecks in the shells so mm -hmm. i don't know the color of a crab all the colors of the crab shell are of this card yeah and, and then, then we there's have the, the blue that is not the, of the scale but the blue that's not of the scale but perhaps refers to the great sea of bina and the uh if you go to the other end of the the path you would um then have the red for Gaborah. Yeah, so it's like a blue crab and what happens after you boil it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's close to dinner time. So what's where's the greenish brown? I guess it's in these these beasts. These, their yeah. shadows are I guess sort of a greenish brown mm -hmm. color vaguely. Okay, so the color that produces the note here is the is the amber. And the amber is considered sort of like somewhere between orange and yellow. So on the scale, orange is D and yellow is E. So apparently this is supposed to be, this is supposed to be D sharp or E flat. And uh, finally smells. Okay. So, oh, this is interesting. So do you know what the smell is for the chariot? What Krill is If saying? I... 
No, I don't. But if I had to guess, it would probably be something oceanic. Well, yeah, that's the thing. So, um, so the Golden Dawn associated, was it the Golden Dawn? I think so. Associated it, or at least in 777, associated it with Onika. O-N-Y-C-H-A. And what that is, as far as anybody can understand, was like some kind of snail product. And I guess they liked that association because snail, chariot, shell, armor, you know, things like that. But number one, nobody really knows how you get that smell. And number two, it would probably be pretty nasty. Yeah, it sounds you know? repulsive. I mean, it reminds me of, you know, the way they used to get Tyrian purple from the, you know, from the shellfish and how it would stink, you know, and even even the royal people who wore it were known for their odor wearing royal purple. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But the the other thing that is associated with or the the um, substitute is labdanum, which is very nice smelling. So it's yet another one of those um, um, resins, ancient resins. And it smells like an ancient resin. Yeah. Yet another slightly vanillic, sweet um, smell, also known as rock rose. And I like it because it has kind of a little bit more depth than uh, either benzoin or styrax or vanilla. It has a little more tenacity to it. And you do have to have it when you make an amber base, as a matter of fact, um, speaking of amber. So amber is this, like uh, we've spoken about before, is this uh, sticky, uh, sweet uh, base that you find in a lot of very feminine perfumes. Anyway, so that's that's cancer and that's its smell. Okay, I think that's it. So just sort of to sum up, we've talked about a lot of things in this episode, but we've talked especially about, well, we've talked about the great work, um, the union of the male and female and whatever that implies beyond that. We've talked about crossing the abyss to the divine, the motion and progress and uh, journey that the chariot takes in this this vehicle. And we've talked about themes of enclosure and protection, and which we see in so many uh, of the esoteric references in the imagery in this card. All right. So um, thank you for going on this journey with us in the chariot, uh, with its not very practical wheels and its <laughs> and its very strange hybrid horsepower. <laughs> and we will be back next time with Strength or Lust. <laughs> 